Welcome to Bible study. It's good to be with you again, and thank you for uh, tuning in with us. It's a great pleasure to be able to open the Bible and study together. And as for the last uh, couple of months, we look at this uh, topic of uh, education, and we are in a learning process. And it's good to learn from each other. And I would like to welcome my panel today. And I would like to welcome first Carl, who we have you with us uh, some time ago. But Carl is very good to be able to join us again and probably just give us a short introduction of yourself. Yeah, thank you very much, Nick. I'm an old South Australian, but uh, I'm up in Lismore at the moment in the East Coast. And it's nice, hot and warm out here. I'm school principal of Blue Hills College. And uh, it's great to be part of this team. Thank you. Thank you, Carl, uh, for being able to join us. And I know because it's a holiday period, that makes it easy for you particularly. Also, I'd like to welcome uh, Marek today. Delighted to focus on this final study for this quarter. It's an exciting thing. Well, I've spent most of my life looking at uh, the mind-body relationship I have specifically focused on the uh, topic of chronic pain, researching and publishing in that area. And so uh, some of the promises that we'll be looking at today are very, very relevant, particularly the one which says there shall be no more pain. I look forward to that time. All right, Ken, thank you for joining us. And what about yourself? Yes, pleasure to be here, Nick. Well, my background is basically uh, building maintenance and different other things, but uh, Yes, over the years, done many, many trades, and it's been really, really interesting and fascinating. Been involved basically in every form of aviation, from parachuting to light aircraft or light helicopters to normal aircraft, shall we say. So, yes, one of my loves. Great to have you with us. Brenton, also thank you for joining us. A pleasure, Nick. And uh, as Marek said earlier on, this is a truly wonderful topic. There are four churches down here in the southeast of South Australia. Great. Joe, thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah, please share with us about yourself. Always a pleasure to be here. Nick, a little bit about myself. Um, I really enjoy cooking. I love gardening. And in my spare time, I do some nursing. Great. And Lynn? Well, hello, listeners. Uh, I'm glad you've joined the program today. May the Lord come soon. And Lynn, uh, you're a teacher and also a businessman. Thank you for joining us. Well, Carol said that he was an old South Australian, and I would like to say that I'm an older South Australian. And Will, you are our facilitator for today. Thank you for joining us. And just a little bit of yourself, too. Thank you, Nick. Yes, I'm a retired uh, minister and um, keep staying busy with, uh, with studying the word and obeying my wife's uh, requests. <laughs> We're keeping well and uh, great to be part of the discussion again today. And uh, going right to the subject, Will, today I will hand it over to you. We are talking about heaven, education and eternal learning. Thank you, Nick. In our Bible study series over the last uh, few weeks, we've been speaking of the relationship between education and redemption. Admittedly, it has been quite an eye-opening thing to us, especially me, but uh, then to realize that a vast field of study 
is still open before us, has got to leave us uh, to greatly admire our God, the source of all wisdom. Everything we encounter, tangible and intangible, reveals to us that there is so much more to learn. Uh, We are, as uh, Job said, but of yesterday and know nothing. All the years of learning in our lives are only the beginning of a long quest. If it were possible for us to attain to a full knowledge or understanding of God and his truth, there would be for us no further discovery of truth, no greater knowledge, no further development. But thank God it it is not so. Since God is infinite and in him are all the treasures of wisdom, it makes sense that through all eternity we'll be ever searching, ever learning, yet never exhaust the riches of his wisdom, his goodness, or his power. But before we challenge our thinking uh, in our discussion today, I think we should pray. Ken, would you pray for us, please? Yes, be happy to. Heavenly Father, as we meet again today, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word with many people. Father, we know the time is short. This world is coming to an end very soon. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, will soon break through the clouds. He's the work that he started many years ago. Father, it is your desire that all people everywhere should be saved. Help us today to get your message out to all those that are searching for the truth, and those that sense that something is coming, but they know not what. However, True Christians everywhere see the signs in the world and are waiting for the soon return of Jesus. Father, help all those that are lost to find you before probation runs out. We ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In Psalm 126, verse 6, we have a text that says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him. You know, in this text, I anticipate the joy of the Savior, Jesus, after the sowing of the gospel seed all over the world, bringing a harvest, the harvest of ransomed millions to the throne of our Heavenly Father. So let's talk for a few minutes on the concept of our eternal reward. We go to the scriptures first. What Bible verses would you say are the standout promises regarding the reward of the righteous and life everlasting. Well, Will, a couple of texts come to mind. First um, Corinthians two nine, where Paul says, "As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him," and he's quoting there very loosely from Isaiah sixty four four. Very often, you know, we imagine that, you know, if we're looking forward to going somewhere or experiencing something, a special event, very often we look forward, anticipate, but then when the event comes or we've been there, it kind of doesn't quite measure up to our expectations. But here God reassures us that nothing that we could have anticipated, imagined, would measure up to what he has in store for his children. And another text is Revelation 21.4. And I think Marek is also linked into something that he said, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death 
neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Hmm. What a day. Certainly. We have read in these texts the assurance of that conditions will be different, are different to what we have known. But you know the whole concept of a new earth and a new heaven may be eye-opening to some. New in what ways do you think? I think, uh, Will, it's worth looking at two texts and then we will spend a little bit of time in explaining them. Second Peter 3.13 says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And then um, Joe quoted Revelation 21 verse 4, so I will read some of the other verses starting at verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Now I'm only going to touch on the last part of verse 4, section that says, For the former things have passed away because that is related to Isaiah 65, verse 10. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end I will give of the fountain of the water of life, freely to him who thirsts. Just some key points, Will, in this. The word new, the Greek word here can mean two things. It actually means renovated, restored, or whatever word you want to use for it. Renovated and restored are the two best words that come to mind. It's talking about the restoration of the first heaven and the first earth, because Paul refers to three heavens. And uh, the second heaven is the starry heaven, and the third heaven is where God dwells. So this earth's atmosphere will be remade. What's important, Will, I believe, in panel about this is verse 3. Everyone looks at verse 4, and Marek's done quite a lot of study in that in his career. But I like verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Will, in the society that we're living in today, particularly under COVID-19 restrictions that we've had this year in Australia, a lot of people are fearful. They're fearful of the future. They're fearful of the present. This verse gives us a lot of uh, courage, I believe, in saying that at that time, when the new heaven and the new earth is remade, God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. You will be totally safe. You will be totally secure. And uh, just to uh, touch on briefly the end of verse 4, for the former things have passed away. It's a quote from Isaiah. And it suggests that whilst the former things will be there, they will not bother us. It's worth a, a word study of this particular section because we're always going to be reminded in the new heaven and the new earth, each time we look at Christ, each time we see the nail marks in his hands and feet, we will be reminded that our salvation has cost something. However, because of our location with the Lord and with Jesus Christ, I believe that this relationship will just push those things into the back of our minds. 
Whilst they will be there, they will not bother us or annoy us like they do today. We will be in heaven with our Lord and eternally secure. And I think, Will, that's an absolutely wonderful thing. I have three points I would like to share. The first one is my dear old mum passed away just before she hit her 101st birthday. And I can tell you that these verses we've just read were very precious to her. She had a lot of trouble with one of her knees and it gave her a lot of pain. And she was looking forward to a time when she could enjoy life without pain. But one of those verses also, that's from Second Peter 3.13, said where righteousness dwells, what God has planned is a place where there will be no sin and that will be beautiful. We are all affected by sin, whether our own sins or the sins of others. The other thing is this. You know, we hear a lot about global warming and how we should stick to the um, protocols that have been made regarding pollution and so on. But you know what? Nothing is working. The world is getting worse and worse and worse. More pollution and a moral breakdown, but God is not going to put band-aids on the earth and just try and patch it up. No, it's going to be a complete job, and I'm looking forward to that too. Yes, thank you, Lynn. In fact, uh, Lynn, as we've been discussing, and panel, one might say that to perpetuate or extend the laborious and challenging life as we experience it, today on earth, and then live that life for all eternity would uh, certainly deter many a skeptic. Uh, Would you like to comment any more on the promise that it will be decidedly different in all respects? Well, there's an interesting point. Um, I mentioned this on a, on a, a program, I think, a few weeks ago. It is believed by scientists these days that the atmosphere of the earth before the flood didn't contain certain things like carbon dioxide, ammonia, and other things. I don't know how they've come to this conclusion. This is rather interesting. Um, The atmosphere that we will have in the new earth will be totally different from the atmosphere that we have now. And uh, I think that um, just the fact that we have a clear, clean atmosphere, free of any possible um, global warming or anything like that, is is going to make our lives just so much more pleasant. And uh, when we see this earth restored better, we are told, than it was when the Garden of Eden was created, we will be able to do nothing other than just praise the Lord and thank him for such a wonderful renovation of this earth. Most certainly so. Well, I think just in terms of the earth being different, I think with no diseases and having soil with all the nutrients that you possibly need to have. If I just think of what the difference that will make to have animals that are not aggressive but can come around and you can interact with them, certainly all those things will, will make it very different to what we are used to now. Yes, most certainly, Carl. You know, it's all very well for us panel to sketch and the sheer wonder of things to come and the joy of a new experience with our Creator in the place that He's prepared for us all. But that might be well and good. But what the average person needs to know first is 
What does it take to be part of this new existence? How do we get there? How can we be sure that we're going to be part of it? There are some very precious promises in the Bible, and uh, there are quite a number, but I'm just going to choose two. And the first is from the book of 1 John, chapter 5 and verse 13. And this is what it says. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And then we have probably the best known text in the whole of the scriptures, John 3.16, and I want to remind you of that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, if we had eternal life on this planet, it wouldn't be much. In fact, it would probably be a real drag with all the uh, troubles and, and pollution and difficulties that there are. But what God has in mind is much better, where there will be none of this stuff that troubles us now. You know, Christians have sometimes been accused of believing and accepting the gospel on account of the fact that God promises a reward for those who are faithful to him. And I suppose to some degree that accusation is justified. Of course, that's not it only, because we serve God because we know he loved us first, and we appreciate what God has done, and we will accept the reward that he offers. And, uh, you know, this is not just airy-fairy stuff stuff in the mind. It's going to be real. It's going to be material because Jesus reminds us in John chapter 14, the first few verses, he said, I'm going away. Prepare mansions for you. And mansions are physical things. So it's going to be real. It's not just an experience in the mind. It's going to be an experience with all our senses and I see this. Somebody said recently to my wife, oh, won't um, heaven be boring? Well, I see it as a bit like a little child. I don't know about you and your little kids, but I found the world a fascinating place. Every place and everywhere I looked, there was something new to learn. And I think this is going to be our experience throughout the whole of eternity. So... Something physical, something really worthwhile to look forward to. And I just like to, I want to bring to your attention a um, couple of things here. A poet, fearful of death, asked about how a person could live without knowing for sure what dawn, what death, what doom awaited consciousness beyond the tomb. He created in his poem, what he called the IPH, which is the Institute of Preparation for the Hereafter. Yet, can one prepare for the hereafter if one doesn't even know what happened to a person in it? And fortunately, the Bible give, gives us great insight into the subject of heaven and new earth. 
Just quickly, Will, I'd like to take a slightly different tack. I believe the saint's reward is not eternal life. Eternal life is a gift. I believe the saint's reward is those who are saved in the kingdom of heaven as a result of our working for the Lord. Paul actually says in one of his epistles, he says that you are my joy, my crown, my reward. Um, eternal life is based on knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him. So when we accept Jesus, we receive eternal life right here and right now. We begin that journey. I believe that when we get to heaven, the saint's reward will be, if you will, each of us will be wearing a crown and the stars that are in our crown will be people that we have influenced towards knowing Jesus as our saviour. The combination of being with our saviour who saved us by his precious blood and also having people precious people in the kingdom of heaven that we have worked for, prayed with, helped, pleaded with. I believe, Will, there'll be no greater experience than to be with our Lord and be with those who we have helped to know the Lord. So absolutely right. You know, we need to stop and ask, however, what things in our life, if any, could stand in the way of our being part of what God has promised us uh, through Jesus Christ. Well, I, I think there's a, a number of things that could stop people. Just to mention one, the many things that this world offers in its sort of entertainment and glitzy stuff and material things, I think it would be very easy to get caught up in those things and sort of drift away from the Lord and think, as many people do, that we don't need God in our lives, not realizing that every... Uh, cell in our body only exists because of God as we do. Yeah, certainly. Len? Yes, well, I think there are a whole lot of things amongst them, bad habits, sinful habits. But I think the main thing is this, is the non-acceptance of the grace that God offers people to have eternal life. Some people just keep God at arm's length and they don't take him seriously. We need to take God seriously. His, his word is true. God does not lie and you will not be able to share in these things unless you accept the salvation that's offered through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter said, There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so it's necessary to accept that salvation and fall in love with the Lord in order to take up that which God has for you. I'm sure, Len, that everyone on the panel will echo that sentiment today. You know, the focus of our Bible study today, however, is primarily education in eternity. One of our panel members recently said, any school can pass on a lot of good information a lot of good, practical and helpful knowledge. But what good does it do if uh, a person were to gain all that knowledge yet lose eternal life? That's what the panel member said. That stands out for me. In our Bible study series over the past three months, we have highlighted the primary sources of our education and factors that influence our practical, physical and spiritual progress and life development. You will recall that we mentioned the role of parents, even grandparents, and the powerful role of the Word of God. 
becoming increasingly central to our character development and the philosophy of life here on earth. We even mentioned that many of us would think fondly of a significant teacher or individual along the way who encouraged, yes, even challenged us uh, more than any other. Of course, we're influenced, uh, yes, taught by a, a variety of exposures, developing our life experience. I recall Len emphasizing that these influences can be for the good and for the bad. But there is one who stands out above all others as the master teacher. And that is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I just imagine him stepping into our midst in eternity with the purpose of teaching and developing us in the re-education process above and then not leaving us or passing us on to someone else to facilitate our progress in all the millennia to come. He, our God, will be closely connected to the expansion of our minds, souls and beings forever. Always encouraging and challenging um, our fertile minds to greater and greater heights. To me, that's an awesome thought. But let me, let me ask, could those areas of special interest in our lives today, in the here and now on earth, be further pursued in eternity? Or does all earthly development halt and then with a full reset, all knowledge be initiated from scratch in the earth made new? A fresh heavenly curriculum, as it were. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's a very interesting concept. If I think of when God made Adam and Eve, they were immediately able to to talk with each other. So he created them already with a language. So it's interesting, you know, in this school of the year after, we learn things that in this present world we can't even begin to imagine. Uh, from the book of education, it says, Heaven is a school, its field of study, the universe, its teacher, the infinite one. A branch of this school was established in Eden and the plan of redemption accomplished. Education will again be taken up in the Eden school. You know, and that well-known verse in First Corinthians 2 verse 9 where it says, But the eye hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, when I look at these things, you know, I can just imagine with a science background all the things I would love to know and learn in there, you know. And John says, you know, God is light, you know, and we know that light has two, you know, it can either be a particle or a wave, but never at the same, you know, at the same time. It's concepts that I don't understand, but I'd love to understand. You know, a simple thing like metamorphosis, you know, where these things, you know, we, we teach it to kids, but we can't explain how it, the DNA changes. You know, how a little baby chick can jump off a cliff and suddenly it can fly. Uh, people that have to fly Bone 747s have to learn for years to do things like those. So when I look at those things, you know, and the DNA uh, as a language, you know, then uh, and I've looked at the vast universe, then I'm looking forward to that. And I think that there's just so many things that we can learn. And if we can sit at the feet of Jesus and learn these things, just how incredible that will be one day. One of our sons, our second son, at one stage 
left school and started an apprenticeship in the sheet metal works. And he reached a point after a few months, he said, I know everything that there is to be known about sheet metal works. And I think it was probably a, an overstatement. So he went back to school and university and he's now a doctor, does medical research. And you know what? He's always finding stuff out. Now, the problem with us as human beings that a lot of things stand in the way of pursuing a course of studies. One is that we have to earn a living. And the other is, sooner or later, death comes along. So everything has to stop. But with eternal life and with the opportunity to study things, there's no end. We're not stopped because of death. We're not stopped because of having to earn a living. I think that will be fantastic. Just on that line, uh, Len, I happened to wake up very early this morning and uh, I also watched a program which I like. It's in my language, but it's about uh, health for you. And the practitioner there, they have lots of, uh, you know, different, uh, from different backgrounds, you know, practitioners, doctors, all sorts of uh, experts on the program. But the lady said something which really amazed me. And I think this makes a very good connection with what we're talking here. She said this, we are not learning for school. We are learning for life. And I thought that that was very wise because uh, in our context, we're learning for school, you know, to achieve, to achieve whatever uh, we are uh, aiming for. And we're missing out of learning for life. Now, in the context of eternal life, how important is this to prepare right here? I read a bit earlier that uh, a poet who, who was confused about uh, this life and where it ends, but still called that uh, IPH, you know, the Institute of uh, Preparation hereafter. And I believe to learn is to know God. Yes, I acknowledge what you have said, Nick, and, uh, and also you, Carl, and Len. We know so little. I uh, noticed some, a question on uh, television this week. They asked the question, what is the Golgi apparatus? A Golgi apparatus. Is it part of an engine? No. Is it part of an irrigation system? Is it part of a roller door mechanism? Or what? Look look it up, a Golgi apparatus. And when I read what it really was, I tell you, I still didn't. <laughs> I still didn't understand it. There's so much out there for us to still learn. Uh, Marek, is there a steep learning curve awaiting the redeemed host? Uh, suggest perhaps fields of study in this graduate school. Perhaps those that uh, you or we didn't have the opportunity to launch into on earth. Uh, could you call this the ultimate institute of higher learning? Carl's just touched on the fact that we uh, there is a vast field of knowledge out there for us to uh, still study. But uh, what would you like to say in this regard, Marek? 
Well, besides learning how muscles operate and the role of the Golgi and and uh, muscle corpuscles and all the different little structures in a simple muscle, uh, there is just so much to learn. And I uh, I know we uh, we are all challenged by the idea of, of being able to study the universe, study geology and and biology and things of that nature, but. In my mind, uh, Will and panel members, I think to be able to study the history of our universe and of our planet from the perspective of the great controversy, to be able to see all the things that have happened behind the scenes that we would not be ever aware of, to be able to meet my own personal angel who has trod with me all the way through my life, and to see the conflicts, the tensions that have existed, but to see all of this from the perspective of of the infinite one, to be able to study the lives of great men such as Solomon and David and others who struggled in life, but to see it from that perspective that God sees it from, and how ultimately the influence of love shapes and changes the, uh, the nature of men, for me, that would be one of the most fascinating sciences that I would love to study. And I know it's, it's captured the interest of many. I, I know there have been so many times when we could not find answers to the puzzles and the, and the difficulties that uh, life would dish out to us. But, you know, as, as C.S. Lewis said, um, once we attain heaven, it'll all work backwards and turn even agony into glory as we begin to understand how God has worked on our behalf. And I think to me that would be one of the greatest sciences and that is one of the things that I most look forward to studying. From the simplest life forms to the sky over our heads and from the motion subatomic particles to the whirling galaxies that are scattered across the cosmos, someone wrote, we are confronted with a reality that is so much bigger and deeper than our minds can now grasp, especially with a little bit of time that we have here on Earth to study these things for ourselves. But I think about all the incredible mysteries that exist in the natural world, be it biology, geology, astronomy, physics, chemistry, and so on. Each new breakthrough Each new discovery seems only to open up before us questions that uh, we need answering. Uh, But how does this all help us to understand how much we will be learning in the school of the year after? I was reminded that uh, the Japanese this last week have just returned a space probe, which this month uh, landed back on Earth at the Woomera Science Research Station. You know, they spent multi-million dollars Uh, in this mission, but the project was to scoop some material from the surface of an asteroid, and this was successfully accomplished. And their purpose? To determine the origins of life on Earth. Well, they've spent a lot of money in that search. I wish that I could have given them a $6 Bible. It would have given them the answer. (laughs) Len? Yes, I'm sorry, I'm just going to drift back to something we were talking about previously, something that Marek outlined. We're thinking in terms of learning following a particular pursuit in our studies, but I have the idea, coming from 1 Corinthians 2.9, where it says, I have not seen, 
nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man things that God has prepared for those who love him. Probably we will experience things we have never even conceived here on earth. For example, to see the color of sound, to be able to, uh, I'm fantasizing a bit here, but I think it's worthwhile doing, to be able to have time travel. In other words, to be able to think I'm there and you're there and other such things. I believe we haven't even got the faintest clue of what awaits those who love the Lord and the gift that he will give, the gift of eternal life. Most certainly. Brenton, uh, while there are always those subjects that challenge our uh, academic acumen, like those that we've just referred to, I wonder if we will ponder other very profound themes that will occupy the deepest interest throughout the uh, ages to come. Things that are uh, aside from science and and the practical things that we have learned on earth. What do you think? Well, uh, let me share with you Ephesians 2, 7. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Now, the KJV says something similar. It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. When you have a discussion, Will and panel and uh, listeners, any time on the subject of grace, someone will immediately pop up with the word unmerited favour. Now, it is unmerited favour, but let me share with you a statement, Will, that I found absolutely revolutionary by a Christian writer. It says this, We, that's us, human beings, would never have learned the meaning of this word grace had we not fallen. God loves the sinless angels who do his service and are obedient to his commands, but he does not give them grace. What a mind-blowing thought. These heavenly beings know nothing of grace. They have never needed it, for they have never sinned. Grace is an attribute of God shown to undeserving human beings. We did not seek after it, but it was sent in search of us. God rejoices to bestow this grace on everyone who hungers for it, not because we are worthy, but because we are so utterly unworthy. Our need is the qualification which gives us the assurance that we will receive the gift. Now, the other night I was talking to a young lady about uh, being born again and subjects like that. I think the study of, not just the study of salvation, the study of grace, God's amazing grace is going to last right throughout eternity. Why would the Godhead come to one world and send Jesus, the Son of God, to this world to die for sinful human beings? That blows the mind because to our way of thinking, and that's just not a logical thing to do. Is God demonstrating his grace to just us? Is he demonstrating it to just the angels? Or is he demonstrating it to all the unfallen worlds? In fact, is he demonstrating his grace to the whole universe? What grace actually means? I think the study of this throughout eternity will will certainly occupy us along with the uh, physiological, biological geological and all the other 
logicals that uh, we will probably look at. Just to know that God has poured out his grace on us because he can and for no other reason, I think is sufficient for us to put our total trust and confidence in him. And I would like to invite our listeners today to put your confidence in one who has poured out his amazing grace on you. Yes, eternity opens up a vast learning opportunity, both for us and for the entire universe, in fact. Revelations um, as a saved children of God. But I'm interested uh, in what you've said, uh, Brenton, that angels are also challenged by some of the deep mysteries, yes. both now and right throughout eternity. Uh, Joe, you want to comment on that? Yes, actually, in First Peter 1, 2, and halfway through it says things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And we highlight things into which angels long to look. So there are clearly things that angels have been observing, watching through time, time that we've spent on the earth and um, the plan of salvation, the mystery of iniquity. And so they want to, they are actually struggling and learning as we are. And we know that from scripture, we were created a little lower than the angels. And so if, um, you know, they are learning and so we are learning too. But I'd like to just read a little quote. It says, the theme of redemption is one that angels desire to look into. It will be the science and the song of the ransom throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. Is it not worthy of careful thought and study now? Um, these are very important thoughts. But our listeners might think, well, you know, maybe just heaven is about, you know, you know, satisfying curious minds. Is it all about learning? Do we go to heaven to get a, an education, a university degree from the heavenly university? I think, or is it to learn about all the good people and, and the struggles that um, people faced, you know, like King Solomon that was mentioned earlier? One of the biggest problems in our world today is people struggling to find meaning and purpose in life. And I'd like to mention that perhaps one of the great things about heaven is that it will address all the human needs at a most basic level. There will be a sense of belonging, you know, that they will feel an acceptance, that um, there will be healing of broken hearts. And I guess we've touched on that, but I think it's, it's I guess education is more than just facts. Education is a holistic thing that, affects every facet of the human heart and mind. And so I think angels as well are watching our development, watching our struggles, watching us trying to find meaning in life, in life and how God answers these needs and how we grow through that. So, um, yes, I guess you could say that angels are looking into and they long to understand and one day and we'll spend eternity, I suppose, learning about God's goodness, learning about the story of redemption, what it costs for us to be there. There is a song that I have sung. The chorus of it goes like this. Holy, holy, holy is what the angels sing. And I expect to help them make the courts of heaven ring. But when I sing redemption's story, they will fold their wings, for angels never knew the joy that our salvation brings. You know, this is 
something quite fascinating. This uh, goes along with what Brenton was sharing and what Joe was sharing, that there is something which the angels will never know, and that's the experience of sin and redemption. And what a wonderful thing it is that God hasn't left us in the messy situation that we got ourselves in with sin. And not only that, he's redeemed us and he gives us this wonderful gift where for eternity we can appreciate what God is really like and follow pursuits that we would probably never have even thought about for eternity if we so choose. Yes, and I feel like to say here that uh, for sure we are not advocating sin here. I came across uh, many times with young people saying to me, oh, lucky you, because you, when after I came in the church, now you are into the world, testing this and that, you know, whatever you wanted to do. Always used to say, blessed are you, those ones who haven't tested all those things, because they bring a lot of consequences. And in this regard, I like to say that um, the heavenly beings, they constantly praising God for who he is, because they understand the God, and even more through our experience, because another question just came in my mind. Did God stop all the creation with us, creating uh, this world and uh, human beings? Who knows what the eternity holds? Who knows? One thing it's important, that we want to be there to be with Jesus, the one who paid that ultimate price for us to be able to be there. Somebody said that could be a selfish desire just to to want to be in heaven for eternal life. And I think we pointed out earlier, we want to be in heaven not because of the gift, which is eternal life, but because of being together with Jesus Christ, who's our Savior. Most certainly. You know, um, Brenton mentioned that the incarnation is a uh, going to be a mystery even to the angels, the emptying of the Son of God being so challenging to them. Even though they've lived with uh, God in the presence of, uh, in his presence for all these years. I remember that um, Dwight L. Moody once said, how can it be that the great creator, Jesus Christ, the commander of the heavenly host, could just disappear, disappear from uh, the universe and uh, go into the womb of a child, as it were, absent for nine months until he was born in the form of a helpless babe. He may have it right, he may have it wrong, I don't know. But the incarnation is a challenge for us to understand how the great God would come to save us, pay such an infinite price. Do you know, if you're like most people, you too have a lot of questions, questions that you'd need answers for, questions about sin and suffering, sickness, death, about uh, why this happened and why that happened. You know, people say, for example, if he's a loving God, why does this happen? Why does that happen? We've kind of touched on it in our series. But um, perhaps, Joe, you could give us some comforting texts 
how eternity would answer these questions. Yes, Will, a couple of these texts come from Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 is the first one, and it says, Now we see but a dim reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. There are many things that we don't understand, as you have mentioned, Will. There are many things that we have questions for. And even if they're not specific questions like, why did this happen to me or to someone else, there is that constant struggle in life to find peace and satisfaction that is common to everyone. And we might wonder, why cannot we find this peace? But we will understand one day. Um, Another one is 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Now, I guess that's very comforting too in the sense that God will bring restitution. He will expose and he will bring comfort to those who have been waiting for him and will expose all the hiddenness, all the hidden darkness, so that everything will come to light. So we can find comfort in these texts that uh, whatever we're going through, whatever our loved ones are going through, that we can be a source of comfort to them, whatever their struggles might be. I'm taken back by the experience of a very famous author, Dostoevsky who was standing in front of a firing squad and his uh, execution was commuted only to be sent to Siberia into a labor camp. And on his way out to Siberia, a devout woman slipped into his hand a copy of the New Testament, and that was his only source of reading material for the years that he spent in Siberia. When they recovered a copy of that New Testament, it had his handwriting all over the pages of the New Testament. But his encounter with God through a copy of that New Testament was such that he absolutely fell in love with Christ. And in falling in love with Christ, he said, even if the truth were to be outside of Christ, then I should prefer to remain with Christ rather than with truth. He was so taken back. But as a result of that experience, Dostoevsky said that, I believe like a child that suffering will be healed and made up for that all the humiliating absurdity of human contradictions will vanish like a pitiful mirage. But in the world's finale, at the moment of eternal harmony, something so precious will come to pass that it will suffice for all hearts, for the comforting of all resentments, for the atonement of all the crimes of humanity, of all the blood that they've shed, that it will make it not only possible to forgive, but to justify all that has happened. Today, when we are confronted with so many uncertainties and resentments and uh, inequalities and and persecution and things of that, the the only thing that really can bring peace and a solution to all of that is our encounter with God. And that makes anything possible. Dostoevsky was not ministered to by ministers, by others of, uh, of, of faith, but all he had in his hand was a copy of the New Testament scriptures, and that was all sufficing. The rest was done by God, by his Holy Spirit. And I just pray that as we contemplate these things, as we look at the learning opportunities now and into eternity, that our experience will be like that of Dostoevsky, who was totally transformed by the word of God. And I certainly pray and hope 
that that might be our experience and the experience of our listeners. Despite the fact what's happening on this earth, we must be aware that God is planning a dramatic change. We need to trust God and his word because God is faithful. Now, as we're drawing to a close today, I'd like to share with you a beautiful statement. There, when the veil that darkens our vision shall be removed and our eyes shall behold that world of beauty of which we now catch glimpses through the microscope, when we look on the glories of the heavens now scanned through the telescope, when the light of sin is removed, the whole earth shall appear in the beauty of the Lord our God. What a field will be open to our study. There, the student of science may read the records of creation and discern no reminders of the law of evil. He may listen to the music of nature's voices and detect no note of wailing or undertone of sorrow in all created things. He may trace one handwriting in the vast universe. Behold, God's name writ large and not in the earth or sea or sky. One sign of ill remaining. This is just a reminder of what God has in store for those who put their trust in him. And that's an invitation to us all, to every listener and panel member to be ready for what God has prepared for us. I th- would like to close with a text in Second Corinthians 4, verses 17 to 19. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I remember that Dr. David Attenborough commented that history is a good teacher, but there is so much more to learn, he said. You know, there lies before us, listeners and uh, panel, an education that is as high as heaven and as broad as the universe, an education that cannot be completed in this life. That's only to be continued in the life to come. It's an education that secures for the successful student his passport, as it were, for the preparatory school of earth to the higher grade, the school above. May we, panel and listener, do all that we can in our power to secure a place in the higher school above. Uh, Carl, would you pray for us, please? Sure, let's, let's have a prayer. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we had the opportunity again today just to contemplate about heavenly things. We thank you that we've been able to discuss education and how education will continue from what we've had done on this earth. Lord, we think of heavenly things, all the amazing things that we can learn, the plan of salvation, the history of the world, all the scientific things that we so would like to know. Father, the mere fact that we can sit at your feet and learn all these eternal things is just so comforting. Father, thank you that we have the opportunity through your grace and your mercy to one day share eternity with you. And if we look around us, 
We just can't wait for that to happen. Lord, please, may us become close to you. May we build that forever friendship relationship with you to share eternity with you one day and to continue with this process of education forever and ever. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone, for uh, your participation today. We're concluding here a series of programs um, around education, and we look at various um, aspects of education, how um, great it was to finish with uh, looking beyond what we know here around us on this life, on this earth, and contemplate on the heavenly things, because in everything what we do today, it will make a, a difference with us if we are concentrating on this life or on the life to come, eternal life. I will encourage you to join us again uh, next time when we'll start a, a brand new set of uh, Bible studies around the book of Isaiah. And until then, I would like to wish you all, members of the panel and uh, our listeners, a happy new year. May God richly bless you and continue to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus.